0: All right, we're live and we're rolling, and this is The Real Venture. I'm your co-host, Peyton. And I am your co-host, Luke. And we are entering the world of business by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this podcast as a platform so that we could ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions that we need answered in order to help our business grow. Every single week, we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers, all with one thing in common, young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm going to need you to do is hit that subscribe button below so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I are going to be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. All right, Maddie and Janelle, guys, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm I'm really excited to, uh, to have this conversation. Why don't we just start off by, you know, you guys telling us a little bit about yourselves.
1: Thank you for having us. By the way, mm-hmm. um, yes. so I'm Maddie. I'm uh, the co-founder with Janelle of Talent Drop and CEO. Um, my background is has a lot of really random things. That's like probably boring, so I'll scope over a lot of it. Um, but uh, I've been a recruiter, a recruiter in tech for the past eight years. So that's probably the bulk of my professional identity. Um, and, uh, that's, I was at Instacart in the very early days. I was at Snapchat for a while, which is where Janelle and I met and then at Uber and, um, then did some consulting, but all things talent and recruiting is pretty much what I've been living in. And then we started this, uh, a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah. And I, uh, I'm Janelle. I am the, uh, technical half of, of Talent Drop slash your friendly neighborhood tech support. Um, I am a software engineer. Um, I, it, it, I've i gone through a series of fortunate events where um, my first job uh, full-time was at Snap, which is, yeah, where I met Maddie. Um, spent almost five years there. Um, then just kind of was figuring out, you know, what kind of career path do I want to carve for myself? Do I want it to look more like your standard career? Uh, climbing the ladder engineer route or, you know, what is it that really, um, makes me excited and motivated. And fortunately enough, um, Maddie was jamming on talent drop back in 2019, starting 2018. I can't remember, but, um, here we are. Yeah. A couple years later, just, uh, you know, fortunate to be seeing some good early traction with what our current version looks like.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll, you know, you you talked, um, you talked how you're, you know, the, the technical side of it and we'll, we'll get kind of get into the co-founder relationship because we also, um, Luke and I have a, a very segmented uh, approach because I am not technical at all. Uh, and he, you know, just totally kicks butt on that side. But I got to ask, so the the overlap of, of your careers were at Snapchat. Maddie, did you recruit Janelle to come to Snap?
1: I did not, sadly. Um, or <laughs> else I would be taking credit for everything that Janelle's ever done, um, which is what I do with my candidates. Um, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm actually not kidding. I do do that. Um, but uh, no, Janelle was there way before me, I think like a couple years. I joined 2015. I think you were 2013. 2013,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: So. Okay. Well, you know, Hey, it was, it was worth a shot. I'm like, you know, they're you know, on, no, on the recruiting side, existing at Snapchat, <laughs> there's a chance. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of what, of what talent drop is, but would you guys consider this both your first entrepreneurial ventures?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yes. And I think we were both, I think neither one of us was really people who like, for years had, you know, dreamed about starting companies or wanted to go to business school or serial entrepreneurs or like had this idea that like, that really wasn't us. It was like, I mean, and we'll get to it later in terms of just like why we're actually doing this, but um, yeah, like not at all. It kind of, a lot of things sort of fell our way and were, I think, very opportunistic and we like, like sort of like new thinking about things in new <clears throat> new ways, but didn't really set out being like, I'm going to start this company. Um, and so the like real way that it happened was basically, I was talking with an investor who I've known for a while about my career and like, what should I do? And I like this, I don't like that, whatever. And we had long talked about a lot of recruiting ideas, problems in the space, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to start a company for me. Here's a pile of money. Like here's $250,000, figure it out. And then I was kind of like, uh, yeah, like I'm probably not going to go get this opportunity into falling into my lap like, like this. And so why not? And I was kind of bored at doing the big company thing. Like it sounds like you were. And so, yeah, I honestly was kind of just like, fuck it. Are, ooh, are we allowed to swear? Yeah, like, you can I swear. was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Uh, but for real, I was like, "Fuck it, why not?" Um, And so I just did that, and then started recruiting, started trying to find a co-founder, which is then how Janelle and I linked up. But um, yeah, and I think same thing for her. I mean, not to like put words in your mouth, Janelle, but like it was very just like, "Oh, like it's a good time for me. I've got money and this skill set. You've got like this other skill set, and it all was (laughs) very natural." But no, we didn't. We didn't ever sort of like. I think. It was like very much like a reactive (laughs) sort of
2: thing. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I I think Maddie said it best. Like we are opportunists. And, you know, when I heard through a mutual friend of ours, hey, Maddie is working on this thing, I just remember feeling like, oh, this is perfect. Um, I think that this is an important set of problems. Um, We're both in a place, you know, similar place in our lives where we have experience, we've kind of tried a few things out and it just feels like, you know, a good thing to kind of move forward on and, you know, just kind of went from there, (laughs) but no big visions or dreams of, uh, ever, you know, creating a large company from how many years. Yeah.
0: No, you know, the the one thing I kind of like to think about is, you know, timing is everything. And obviously you guys were both at a, a, a point in your career where the timing all lined up. Do you think, Based on your experiences, what kind of led you here? Do you think you could have started this company five years ago?
1: Definitely not for me. (laughs) I don't think so either. Yeah.
2: (laughs) No, you're right. Timing is everything. I I think it's surprising how much can happen in short periods Mm -hmm. of time. Um, And I think, you know, speaking for myself, over the last five years, a lot has changed about my life situation and, you know, where I am and also just how I feel about myself and my abilities and, you know, comfort level with taking on new risks and heading off into the unknown.
0: Do you? Yeah. And I Oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry. No, I was just
1: going to say, I also just don't think I would, I like knew enough about, the space like I would have had to I would have had zero credibility I mean now it's like two percent now
2: but I would have been zero percent before so
0: yeah no th-
2: she's being humble she's better at <laughs> recruiting than she and, and
0: we'll we'll, we'll, we'll dive them. into that exactly on how your guys's relationship kind of kind of works in in a business sense but there definitely is a baptism by fire component of all of this and I don't think there's ever a, a timing is everything kind of like we said but there also is never really like truly a right time like there there's gonna have to be a point where you kind of make and and i talked about this a little bit kind of on my exit and and why i left oracle to go out and do this it it almost seemed like a knee-jerk reaction but in the grand scheme of things there are a lot of you know individual events that led up to it that eventually i just kind of had to cut the cord and make the knee-jerk reaction but like was timing and everything perfect like no but you know, the other events were so compelling that I, I had to go full send. And, um, totally. I think that that scares a lot of people away from even taking the same leaps that, that we we have.
1: There's always going to be a hundred reasons not to do something kind of crazy sounding. And so it's easy to talk yourself out of like, Oh, the timing's not right for like this personal thing, this professional thing, because like, it's crazy sounding, especially starting your own, like, you have an income, you have like a brand on your resume, like, Oh, I'm going to give all of that up. Like, it's never like a really a good time. So like, yeah, I think, I think you're right that a lot of things have to be going on like in the background. And a lot of it, I think is personal too, in terms of just like your headspace, like, Like part of it, you know, we're just like we were just bored, like we just didn't want to report to people anymore and do perf cycles, and like that, like has nothing to do with our actual idea. But a lot of it is just like that's really what's driving you, like inside, to just be like, yeah, I'm gonna like mess up my life for a while.
0: (laughs) Oh man, yeah, mess, mess, controlled mess up of your life. That, uh, that's a that's a good way to uh to describe the shakeup. Let's talk a little bit about the the co founding relationship as somebody who's also part of a co founding team. I would never be able to move this product forward at all if it wasn't for my co-founder. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about your dynamic together?
1: Yeah, where I think there's the kind of teams that are like two of this kind of profile, you know, worked together and they go start this idea in tech. A lot of the times it's two engineers or it's maybe like two business school people and they met in business school, whatever. We're like, sounds like you guys, like we have very different Mm -hmm. skill sets and things that we are good at or come naturally to us and that we spend our time on. Um, And that's like 98% of the time, it's like actually works out amazingly. And I think it's probably better that way because you can just split things up. You have this like, I mean, you really are just like two sides of one coin trying to like do something, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, Janelle builds, I sell, like that's kind of like the easiest way to think Mm -hmm. about the breakdown and what we do. Um, And then I'll, you know, listen to people, take that feedback back to the build side. And it's like what a big company thinks that it does. But with just one person in each department, it's just you can go so much faster and be creative around it. So that's pretty much what we do. Like anything involving like, talking or uh, (laughs) talking, like I'll do. And that means like with our recruiter communities, with our, uh, a lot of our users, our customers, investors, um, that's uh, more, more what I'll do. Um, And then Janelle's like the technical whiz and I, could not literally code a line to save my life. Like I would have to just be like, you're gonna have to shoot me in the head. Cause I like, to me, it's still all like amazing magic that Janelle just like whips up. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's how technical I am.
2: (laughs) Well, I feel the same way about Maddie just being the people person. I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm an engineer. Like I am just naturally more introverted and, awkward and probably don't want me in front of a you know a large audience like making a speech which I'm totally fine with and so yeah I think we're pretty fortunate to have that split because you know in the beginning like you you basically establish that okay you can trust each other but once you get that going yeah um like when Maddie does her thing I'm like I defer to you and your judgment I think you know i have totally support whatever you think is best in these situations. And I think it goes the same way for, you know, when I need to make technical decisions Um, and it's, it's worked out really well for us.
0: What about, what about the area where there's overlap? Maddie, you said 98% of the time, what are some, what's that jump ball section? Where does that 2% fall in and how do you guys kind of work through figuring out how to separate that, take charge, ownership, whatever you want to call it?
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Because I think that's probably where we get stuck the most is when it's almost like when neither one of us really has like the Mm -hmm. expertise or a strong opinion. And a lot of it's, I guess you could lump into just like, uh, like the product, which like you know, on the user side, like I'll be more familiar with just like how recruiting works, but then not so much with how something might work technically. And so I think that's where we get stuck is when we want to service like the same goal, but like, we're not sure, is this like a service side thing or is this a technical product thing? Um, And we don't really have the answer. So we, I think get stuck there a lot because we'll almost like, we'll like hash things out, but then not really like arrive at like, Because like at the end of the day, like neither one of us really knows. So our best bet is actually we'll try to just get like one of our advisors or consultants. Basically, we'll try to find someone who does know what they're talking about in a certain area that we don't and then get their take um, is probably our MO for when we can't like figure it out. I would say we don't have too much overlap. That's like both of us really strongly opinionated, trying to like convince the other of something. It's usually like in the more like we're not sure what to do zone.
0: Yeah, no, that that, that makes sense. And, you know, I think I think very early on when it's just the two of you in a company um, that could be awkward if there is a, a a moment where you're both like super opinionated on something and you don't want to step on toes, like I'm, I'm very fortunate that my co-founder is my cousin. So we've been beating up on each other Um, and fighting for our, you know, entire, (laughs) entire lives. So it's nothing new, but if you're in a more of a professional co-founding, um, scenario, you know, that, that potentially could be uh, a, a source of conflict which scares yeah, people too.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I, even in, like, I talked to a few other people for, to co-found also, and they're all, I would say like very different personalities from Janelle. Uh, it's not a gender thing, but most of them were men. <laughs> and I was like thinking, we. I did a couple of like work sessions with, with them. And I was like, I think there will definitely be some like butting of the heads moments. And that's fine because a lot of the time stuff gets really figured out in those moments, even though they're uncomfortable. But yeah, I would say that's it's almost funny because we're, we're like very deferential to each other in terms of like, what that person's skill set is or or whatever, um, but it does lead us to be like more unopinionated about like doing something, whereas I think sometimes certain people are just like, Oh yeah, like I'm gonna say confidently that we should totally do this thing, whereas we're like very like kind of humble and self aware and we're like, we don't know like what we're talking about or
2: doing, so we really don't We've know. Been minded and we' you know we'll say, here are the pros and cons of this thing or yeah. this thing, and it's like, oh, yeah, they. All makes sense, and so now, do what do we and do with Like, we'll flip a coin, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, like you guys just laid out, there's a side of the business that you both kind of each take ownership of. Now, as you're, you know, when you started out, it was the two of you. And then obviously your team has expanded since then. And this is something that we're kind of going through right now where the the first person that we're really bringing on is is somebody else to lead the dev side and, and help because that's so important. So as you begin to build out your team, how do you begin to relinquish? the things that you used to have exclusive ownership on and begin to kind of phase out. Cause that's a, you know, that's an important component of leadership is delegating and, you know, having something for somebody else so you can focus on other areas. But like, what has that process kind of been like for y'all?
1: Ooh, yeah. I think we've, we've done some things well and have definitely struggled to be honest with some of that, which is like, we kind of get in this mentality of like I'll just do it myself and it'll be faster because I'll do it the way I want it, Mm -hmm. which isn't like helpful for, for anyone, but we've both definitely done that with having brought on people that of course are like there to help you and there to help you like mm-hmm. take some of it off you. But then it is really hard. Cause you're like, it's all in your brain and it's like your own creation and you, you have it in a certain way sometimes yep. that like you just wanted to see. And it's a lot of the time it's like stuff that we feel hard. Like if you feel like it's hard for us to, I don't know how to maybe say like, like when when people can't read our minds, right? And so it might be something like tone or the way that a message is structured from someone else that we just wouldn't have said it that way Mm -hmm. that we're like, oh, I guess that's fine. But it's just like uncomfortable because someone else is like paraphrasing your own life or I don't know what and it's
2: yeah and I, I almost think that we are also very conscious about making other people's lives hard sometimes. And so, you know, in the process of trying to extract information from our brains, at least like I, I feel like we we both do this sometimes where it's like, oh no, this is super confusing and convoluted. Uh, i'll just I'll just take this off their plate and relieve them of that pain and handle it myself which is not scalable and not something you can do forever. Um so, you know, trying to just like let go and say, okay, um be very forward with the people we're talking to and saying, "Yes, it's a mess. Yes, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Like it, you are going to be confused, <laughs> but, you know, just bear with us." That's an exercise that, um, we just have to get better at. Yeah.
0: And it it definitely will, will improve and come over time. I mean, that's part of just startup culture. Uh, things are rough and, uh, they do not have perfect edges. And for people that are signing up to be a part of that, they need to understand that because if they expect to come in and it to be run like a super well oiled machine, mega company, uh, you're kind of in for a rude awakening.
1: Yeah. We keep joking about how like people at normal jobs don't know how easy they have it. Cause we're like, you know, your calendar tells you what you should do all day. Like your emails, like, you know what your job is. And like, it's just not, I mean, you know, it's especially so early, like the best thing you could be is adaptable because our, we've pivoted, we've like changed things week by week, hour by hour. Like it's just so crazy. So that definitely contributes. Oh,
0: a hundred percent. I mean, I spent my first hour today trying to figure out what to do today (laughs) to be productive. Cause I'm like, I could do a whole bunch of different things, but I'm sure like 90% of it is not important right now when I, But I can't figure out what that 10% is.
1: No, exactly. And sometimes, a lot of the times, I think people assume that our lives are like back to back 24 seven. And some days definitely are like that. But I had another friend who had previously done a company say, like, oh, you're doing a startup. Does that mean you like sit on the couch and wonder what you should do all day? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) The hard part is actually like looking at a thing you could do and being like, is this the most impactful thing I could do? Like, I don't, and we're actually going through that right now because we're sort of product road mapping. And we're like, there are so many things we could do, but like, should we do that thing? That to me is actually the hardest part because it's so stressful Mm -hmm. because you're like, okay, I'm going to spend two weeks doing this thing that we might put in the garbage later. I don't know.
0: Oh, yeah. Big time, big time, and you know I think the funny thing too is like w- when you're early on and, and you have the segmented duties where you know um, me being on the sales side, like there's something that I'm waiting for from the tech side to f- to flow over, and I can't talk about it or, or do anything with it until I hear from them. So I'm just like watching Slack, like waiting just to see like Luke <laughs> typing because I'm like, dude, I need an answer. Like I literally can't do anything until you respond, and then you know, vice versa. That happens all the time.
1: No, it's. It's like the most chicken egg as it gets because I'm like, oh, you know, I'll talk to people and they're like, can you do this? And I'm like, not yet. But then I'll talk to them and be like, should we do this thing? Should we like, would they use it if we built it? And our last our last product before we did the bounty board was like very much like that. We would try to pull people and say, like, should we build this thing? Would you use it? And then we'd build it and then they wouldn't use it. And like, I'm sure that's also a very common startup thing. And so then you start second guessing yourself because you're like, well, I thought I was supposed to be listening to my users, but like that didn't really work. So then I'll just like, I guess I should go back to doing whatever I want, but that also doesn't really work. So I don't know. it's a mess. Yeah.
0: I, you know, obviously like o- over the course of your, of your startup career, you guys have learned a lot. And I think uh, one component of it that probably really accelerated that learning was YC. So I kind of want you guys to, to touch on um, your experience there. But if you could first give a brief description of what YC is.
1: Yeah, YC is a startup accelerator. It's probably like the most well-known one mm-hmm. um, in it, based here in Silicon Valley. I mean, now it's right now it's remote. And they've graduated like big companies at this point that you've heard of, like, oh gosh, DoorDash, Stripe, Instacart, Airbnb, um, Coinbase, um, just like a lot of big startups that started out doing that program and then just have gotten huge later. So I think that's really where they got to be more well-known and popular. Um, But they run two batches a year and it's, I think, 12 weeks. And they basically just put you through school of like anything from product building, growth metrics, tracking, to fundraising, to um, co-founder, like just a lot of the stuff that uh, startups most commonly see. So that's really helpful because I think at this point there's been like three or 4,000 YC startups. And so they can really just pattern match and then put that into the curriculum. It's also just like a great network. Like you meet a lot of other really interesting founders working on cool stuff. You meet a lot of investors so I guess it's kind of like a program slash community.
0: Mm-hmm. And why did you guys seek out YC? Because it's because it's an application, right?
1: Yeah, it's an application. Yeah, you apply, you do an interview, you get in. It's like a whole time commitment. Um, and you do pay in the form of equity. So it comes with a little bit of funding, but you give up a chunk of your company, um, which is a not insignificant chunk. Uh, that they charge a standard 7%, So, which is a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, and, I, and so part of it was like, yeah, sh- is this worth it? Um, but I think we were actually kind of wanting a little bit more structure because I'm sure as you know too, like early startups, like it's very, it's so, so ambiguous that I think we were hoping that that would help us just focus on like, what are the right problems and things to build for? What should we even be measuring? What should we look at? Uh, Can we talk to other people that have done marketplaces before? Like, so that I think we were really looking to just fast track. A lot of it is stuff that like, sure, you could figure out over years by yourself of like suffering through mistake after mistake, or you could like go to a session and then they'll tell you what to do and what not to do. Um, So that was really nice. And just, I think having that pipeline of like, just people to talk to was so helpful. And even if it's advisors, investor, pipeline, whatever, but a lot of it's just like the mental, just like stamina side of doing a startup and making friends that are in the same boat as you. Um, So I think we were looking for some of that too, because especially being remote, being just two of us, like it's nice to sometimes be part of a little bit of a bigger peer group. So
2: Yeah, and just accelerating learnings um, and mistakes made because there's so much focus on growing and building during those 12 weeks. um, When you're just purely action-focused, you just kind of see patterns and trends emerge a lot sooner than you would if you were going at a month-to-month or year-to-year pace. Um, And in the beginning, that is really valuable. So... um, yeah, just the focus and yeah, the community. Um, knowing that you're not alone really, really helps.
0: <laughs> so you're got you guys are going through all of these learning opportunities, these classes. How the heck do you run a company at the same time? Oh God. Yeah, you kind oh, of, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still wondering that. We're still like, did that really did we really survive yeah. that? I guess we're basically, still here. Basically, like you tell
1: everyone you're in YC, so you have an excuse for running it poorly, <laughs> is what I did. <laughs> um, and fortunately for us, like most of our people. People are familiar with it, so they they'd like get it, um, especially our customers. Because yeah, I mean, you are just messing up customer experience, like your website, you like everything, and so we find ourselves a lot of the time being like this product's new. This is an early thing. Like we, please don't be upset if it doesn't work. Um, so that like we started doing, cause it, it, I mean, you just can't, like, you're not a real business yet. You're so busy. You're trying to do a million things in two weeks. Like, um, yeah, I don't know that we did that. So some companies were farther along and I think they had more of like a machine running and they had like, Like, I mean, some had 30-person teams. They had been around for five or 10 years. So maybe it was a little bit easier. I mean, I don't know. that Maybe they wouldn't like me if you're saying that, but maybe it was a little bit easier.
2: (laughs) Well, I think also, you know, when you are frank with people about, hey, we're NYC, we're running behind, we're time-strapped – what emerges are just a lot of empathetic people who end up coming out and saying, Hey, that's awesome that you're working on this. How Mm -hmm. can I help? And so we've actually gotten some really, we developed some really good relationships with some early users that way where we're like, you know, everything here is experimental, but since you're already, you, you found us, um, you know, we'd love to work more closely with you and just kind of make this better. And, um, yeah, we've made some, some friends that way and that's worked out really, it's been awesome.
0: Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, like we have our blue check marks on Twitter and Instagram that, that orange, like Y box next to a company name is, is kind of the same thing. One from an empathetic standpoint, uh, but also two from a validation of idea standpoint, it's great for investors. I mean, it, it is a worthwhile exercise for the business if you're fortunate enough to have the opportunity.
1: Oh, 100%. That was, that was like, honestly, what we thought and found have found the value to be. I mean, like, it's just a reality of life. Like you go to Harvard, people assume you're smart. Like, it's just like people just have brand, like brand equity is so, so powerful that like, that was a huge part of it. And it made fundraising night and day so much easier. Well, maybe not easier, but faster, I guess easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, it'll make hiring easier. It'll just, it lends like that credibility to your startup. Like you're so right. So that was why we were ultimately like, there's just such a good brand around it that it's like probably worth it. And even for ourselves as just for our careers, like if Talent Drop itself Fails for some reason, like we'll always be able to say, you know, oh, we were YC founders. And like, I think that will just help us personally, like in our, in our lives. So ultimately, totally worth it. Yeah.
0: And, and the other thing too, you know, you talked about the sizable equity chunk in the beginning um, one thing that I've kind of always been thinking about, obviously you want to protect your equity as much as you can. Um, but it is a major tool for you to use early on. Um, and it allows you to accelerate a lot of opportunities. And, um, one piece of advice that like my grandpa gave me when I was kind of talking to him about this, who's kind of serves as my entrepreneurial mentor. Um, he said 0% or a hundred percent of zero is still zero, meaning that in order for your brand and your, your company to grow and your equity to be worth something, it is better to, you know, give it away it smartly and intelligently, um, to you know increase the overall value of it. Because at the end of the day, if it's not worth anything, then why does it matter if you have a hundred percent equity in it? So, you know, investments like that, uh, I think, I think go a long way.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah.
0: You know, you guys talked about some struggles and and some things that you guys kind of experienced along the way. But you know what is an example of a, of a failure that you guys have had. And then, uh, you know, it actually turned out to be a, a, either a blessing in disguise or an awesome learning opportunity. Can you guys share one of those or two, if you each have one?
2: <laughs> I have, well, of <laughs> a weird one. Oh, go ahead. I <laughs> first. <laughs> Um, I think most of 2020. <laughs> sure. um, so before we, you know, fast-tracked what Talent Drop currently is, did YC with it, et cetera, et cetera, um, we pivoted several times. We had several prototypes, and those each lasted several months. We had customers for them. Um, but going through that exercise and Maddie mentioned this earlier, but people would say, oh, this is awesome. I would love to use it. And then you study their behavior and they don't actually use it. Going through that several times um, just made us good at letting go and saying, all right, scrap this. We're going to start from scratch. And just that comfort of, you know, getting back to square one and not getting too attached to anything that we had or even like our 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 whole business model, our customer base, um, when we let go one of our, our prototypes, we basically let go our, our customer base and we said, you know what, we're not for you. Um, we're going to go back to the drawing board. And so, um, yeah, there was a you know, pretty decently long slog of us just trying stuff and not really getting anywhere and going through that several times. So mentally, you know, it's, it's a bummer, but also just going through that routine, it's kind of like flexing a muscle. You just get better at it and you just kind of go, okay, heads down again. Um, I think, you know, nobody likes to talk about those times, but yeah, we've, we've definitely been there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and like, I'll be honest, like it's
1: embarrassing sometimes to like have your Mm -hmm. failures be so public, like to your network, because I don't know about you Peyton, but I'm like, very much relying on my network to like give us feedback make intros like tell me what they think use our thing like get yeah invest in us like everything and so when you have ideas that like straight up failed that three months ago you were like i'm a genius i'm doing this thing like it you just feel stupid and so i think that's it's actually like it feels horrible at the time and and we still like go through it all the time but it's ultimately actually i think really helped because. I am probably more inclined to be like really self-conscious about that. But the more you do it, the more you're just like, whatever. I just like did a thing that ended up being dumb, and we all do it. It's just more public when you're a founder. Um, But it kind of weirdly makes me like more comfortable with it now. And and you're surprised at how much you will be or if you (laughs) fail as much as I do. Um, But at least for me, it's actually helped me realize like, oh, my network like, the, the ones that kind of like matter and believe in you, like they still think that you're smart and good after all those failures. Like they're not like, you know, all of a sudden like, oh, I was wrong about her. She's an idiot. I mean, maybe some of them do and they just don't tell me that. Um, but like, it's, it's actually nice because you're like, oh, these people are like still my friends and they're still my mentors and they're still going to intro me around. And like, that's been nice to see because your fear is that like you'll fail and then you'll just get shipped off to like an island and no one will ever talk to you again. But it's like, yeah. oh, I still have this network. Like I still have like the other things about me that make me good. So that's that has definitely been something that I thought was horrible. That's turned into like probably a better thing that you just don't really get in like a normal job too because you're just not like exposing yourself the way you are as a founder. So
0: yeah, and and I think another thing that's that's really powerful is um, you know having like those honest, transparent conversations where you go and like, hey guys, we this didn't work. We messed up. To the right people, that actually matters a lot in a good way. You know, they further their trust in you, their respect for you. And then when you come back the next time around, be like, Hey, we refine this idea. You saw us go through all these iterations. The idea is better now. They don't even blink and they hand you a check. They come on board to help whatever their resource is to you. Um, you know, when you, when you do it the right way, um, the right people are going to respect that and still continue to be your friend or be your investor or be your mentor. So um, there definitely is a right and wrong way to fail, I think in my opinion Um, and the way you, the way you talk about it and the way you disclose it says a lot about who you are. And and also I think it's a reflection of your business acumen and your understanding that this is how the world works. There's a lot of failures um, and a lot of things go wrong, but we'll continue to work at it and, and the right thing will happen.
1: And and that probably
0: that that takes a lot of time, but
1: yeah, no, like that, and like, and my instinct, especially in the beginning, writing my very first investor updates, were to like make me and Drop look amazing, and then I think we've gotten a lot better at being like that. Straight up didn't work. That was a bad idea. We made a mistake. And you're right, though, like these are professional investors who see thousands of companies like they know they know what's going on and it's not that weird and they would rather you be upfront. and most of the time they just want to be helpful and they can't do that if you're like lying about what's going on so that's I think yeah you're so right we would learn how to like be more honest about about that
0: yeah it's it's important, and, and those shareholder updates are are not very fun to write because you do oh have to be super God. honest, <laughs> and it's super dry. I I literally I I wrote one the other day because I kind of had a little bit of a delay and didn't quite get it out at Q three, so I, I I just sent it out the other day, and I was just like, man, that was not very fun to write, but it is what it is. Yeah, um,
1: totally. You know, but it, then they'll part, be happy when you have your new thing. Like that was us exactly. too. We were, like, we're pivoting, and some yeah. of them were like, "Good, I hated your old idea."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What what do you think is the most important thing for a founder to consider who's just getting started right now? What w- what would be your your piece of advice to to the person that's listening with a crazy idea but they haven't tried it yet?
1: Ooh. I really like Sarah Blakely who started Spanx, which like she's it's not in tech, but she just she has this whole thing where she's like everyone has like an idea and everyone can do this it's just the people some people do it and then some people don't and so like and she's like kind of my low-key idol because she's not one of these people who was like a freak genius Bill Gates who dropped out of this and that and invented some computer thing like she's just like a regular person who like worked hard tried had this idea runs like owns most of her company now like and she's just like a person and I like that because it's like most people I think see a lot of the types of founders or leaders that get really big and they're like I'm not like that but like we were like this too we weren't like oh we're gonna be founders we're like we're not founders we're just like people and like but you know you can actually kind of surprise yourself with how much of that like doubt is just totally in your head and and if you just go like do it you're like oh like yeah it's hard but I, I can like actually do it if I want to it's just you have to spend time like I said, making a giant fool out of yourself. Um, so yeah, I would. I don't know. That's like kind of a rambly thing. But Janelle, what do you
2: think? No, I, I agree. I think ultimately it's just about getting in there and trying it out. Um, it's not going to be linear. I mean, you hear these stories of people who sound like they had very linear success, but I think the reality is, is that there's like some wild ups and downs. And, um, you know, ultimately just no matter how you just how long you decide to stick with it or how far you want to go with it it's always I think a positive experience I mean hopefully but that's how I view it is like hey absolute worst case scenario if you know talent drop ends tomorrow for whatever (laughs) catastrophic reason like this was still absolutely totally worth it and you still get a lot from just Yeah, getting in there, um, being extremely uncomfortable and just having no idea what to do in many scenarios and then just trying stuff out, Um, which I think is a good way to, to live life you know, you never really know until you try. Yeah. yeah and I, absolutely.
1: I was going to say too, I think like a lot of, the, like we were talking about at the beginning, the excuses to not do it. Like it, I, the money thing I get, like, I get it. If you're yeah. like, I have to pay myself, like I have to have healthcare and a salary, like that one's tough. But if you can figure that one out, like there's, you know, like the like Janelle said, the worst that can happen is you like stop and go get the job you were already in anyway. And so there's actually not like a ton of risk for a lot of people other than like whatever your personal like financial situation is, which is totally valid. Um, but yeah. And I think like, that's like the biggest things people are like, oh, I'm going to fail. I'm going to look bad or I'm going to waste time on this thing. But it's sort of like I don't know. Like there's not, I'm like, what else? I'm like, I was wasting time at Uber. Like, I mean, I should just shit talk Uber, but, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then it's not, I don't know, come, we'll help hire you into your next job, like at talent drop. So yeah. there's no like, yeah, I think there's always going to be like excuses not to, and you can set it up in a way too, that like it makes you the most comfortable. I actually started at when I was at Uber and I was side hustling and literally spending like all my free time trying to do this because I wanted the safety net of like, if I'm bad at this or I hate it, I have like my job. I can, I can just like stop. And it's true. You're busy, but like, I'm actually really glad I did that. Which is also why I always joke that Uber was my first investor because I was like doing this while well, doing my day job at Uber. Um, but then I had enough confidence to like quit full time, go do it, like, blah, blah Blah. Um, so like, there's like different ways you can go do it. I also, by the way, literally was Googling everything at first. Like I was like, how do you start a company? Like, how do you see <laughs> Corp? Like stupid stuff. Um, wh- Oh my God. Like videos on how, like, what is fundraising? Like just the most basic stuff. So like, even if you're someone who's like, Oh, I don't, but I don't know how to start a company or I don't know what, how to run one. Like no one, no one did. I did not. I literally was like that idiot with the embarrassing Google search history. So
2: like anyone can do it. Like. Oh, no, and, and same here. I had zero idea. I mean, I I'm building web apps now. Like I had to just Google how to do that because I I didn't even have that particular skill set, and so. Yeah, like I think it just teaches you to be a little bit more forgiving towards yourself. And then when you talk to more people, you realize, oh, we're all kind of in that
0: boat. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for for real, you know, I the thing I kind of always laugh about is I have some people come up to me and like, you know, ask very similar questions, how do you do something? How did you do that? And I will give them the answer and then add the caveat at the end. I'm like, but I did just google that like 3 days <laughs> ago. For myself. But 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 that is that is how you do it. So you can either take yeah. my words or I can send you a link and you can watch the same video that I
1: watched. Right. Totally. So. I, asked, I went to law school and this guy came and gave a talk and he was saying like in his very first he went to some like to he was like a criminal lawyer and he went to like jail and someone said like what should i do and he had no, he was like a junior attorney and he said yeah find someone who knows what they're doing is what you should do and i always am like i mean that's kind of just what i do when i don't know and then i either take credit for what they said or i just quote them so
0: Absolutely. It's all, it's all, it's all part of the game. Uh, the, the last, the last question that I, I want to ask you guys is just simply, why are you an entrepreneur? And I'm excited to hear both your answers and kind of see how they stack up because I bet they're going to be a little different. Maybe not though.
1: You want to go
2: first? I think the the kind of half joking one that we like to tell people is that we were just bored, (laughs) but, um, I don't know. A couple of things that come to mind is I just didn't want to work for anyone else anymore. Um, I, you know, knowing myself now that I'm like a little bit older, is I learn the most when I am very challenged. And this has been very challenging, Mm -hmm. but I've also learned a lot. (laughs) And, you know, the wins just become that much more gratifying. Um, And the losses, like, really good learning experiences. So, um, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Maddie? (laughs) For reals though, I think like, it's so important where you're at, like personally.
1: And that was like a big part for me too. and, And for Janelle, but like, I think the, on the professional side, yeah, I think I was just feeling like, just honestly, like not excited about any opportunity I was seeing out there. So I was like, none of these jobs sound that good. And then the other part was like, I was kind of becoming one of those, like the more senior I got, the more like complainy I got about recruiting and like, why does it work this way? Why do we have to do this? This is dumb. And I was like, well, I could either just like become a curmudgeon forever and be that person. Or I could like try to fix it myself. And I was sort of like tired of waiting for someone else to fix it. So I was like, all right, I'll just like spend some of my career trying to fix things that annoy me um, about my own profession. And that means, you know, doing your own thing, being your own boss. And then on the personal side, totally. I think I was just like like itching for some like something to be way more engaged in. And frankly, just like didn't want to report to people anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that was just like a big part of it is just being able to actually work on like the shit that you wanna do that day is like just there's no, I mean, it's worth the like six-figure pay cut. Like it's just all right, whatever people are gonna have to take, but that's what I did for a short time. <laughs> and it's brutal, but it's just like, you know that's just so, it's so cool to be able to do that. And to just be like, I have total agency over my day, what I do, what I say, like, that's just so awesome to me. So a lot of it was just like, I personally wanted to like have a different work, like work experience. <laughs> um, and we keep saying like, it totally spoils you. Cause now we're like, how could we possibly ever go back to like reporting structures and i'm sure you guys had to do these like performance things that work like all the stupid corporate stuff it's just like we don't have to do so
0: yep no it's uh it definitely is it's a lifestyle change but it's an attractive lifestyle and it's something that we're all very fortunate that that we get to that we get to live out um guys today's conversation was awesome i really enjoyed it but you know, most importantly, where can people learn more about you guys and talent drop as a whole? I know we didn't spend a whole bunch of time talking about talent drop. So why don't you guys just drop a, a, a little blurb about it as somebody who also uses the platform for one of our position searches. Uh, I am a,
2: I, I, I am
0: a, I am a fan of talent <laughs> drop. So, um, why don't you guys just tell us what it is and then how they can learn a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. So no longer needed, um, talent drop.com is our homepage and everything's actually like super transparently laid out there. We're, have a labor marketplace. And so we have people who are hiring and people who know people, um, or people who want new jobs themselves. And you can just refer your friends or yourself to certain jobs and it's all bounty based. So there's a doll, like a cash reward for if whoever gets hired goes to that, um, that bounty goes to that person. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, anybody with a network, um, or a skill set can go check it out or job, or if you're on the other side and you're hiring um, uh, a lot of hiring startups on there too. Um, But yeah, it's just on the homepage at telendrop.com.
0: There you go. Yeah. Especially if you guys know of a, uh, you know, founding engineer with great full stack uh, capabilities, go on their T2 venture Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, take a little, take a little cash home. So uh, you know, just a little, little blur out there but um what about social media guys where could people learn a little bit more about you contact you guys if they have any questions
1: yeah it's all so on twitter we're talent drop inc talent drop underscore ink and then i think we're just talent drop on linkedin i should probably know that <laughs> um uh, <laughs> but yeah there're uh, more content coming soon on those but they do exist <laughs> um and then also we'll be fleshing on our homepage too but um but yeah, I mean, and also plug, we're paying people out between like five and $20,000 uh, in the next few months. So like literally go on a nice vacation, like take it to do your startup. Like it's actually like, it's actually like a really cool thing to just see like regular people get paid for intros. Um, so we'll be doing more like stuff to highlight that on, on all those pages, but um, for now it's pretty much just the homepage the linkedin and the uh twitter at uh, tell and drop inc i think it is so
0: awesome guys thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having us thank you. This was so fun. absolutely
2: yeah. <laughs> thanks peyton
0: right guys Uh, if you want to continue this discussion follow us on our social media our instagram linkedin facebook's will all be in the description of this episode hop on there shoot us a dm hit us up with whatever concerns questions comments that you guys have we'd love to continue building that community on there next subscribe to wherever you're listening to this itunes spotify google amazon overcast you name it we got it and the only other thing i'm going to add is As you're subscribing to those platforms, hop on there, give us rates and reviews, especially on Apple podcasts, five star ratings and a uh, and, and a comment go a really long way. Helps us continue to to climb up the charts and, you know, continue to to spread this to to all corners of the world and allow us to continue to bring on great guests. We really appreciate you guys for everything and we're excited to see you next week.